There's a lot of things in this old world That just do not make sense Like why there's so few believers on the firing line While so many others sit the fence But if you want to know where the word of God stands And believe it wants to use your feet and hands It's time to take your faith out of the seats And into the streets And come along with me If you only look, then you will see WCNTV Welcome again to WCN-TV. This is Tuesday, November 21st, 2023. We have a great program lined up for you today, as always, and this is one I've been wanting to do for a long time. We have a ton of information to cover, and we were going to have two guests, but unfortunately, uh, Dr. Kirk Milhone had a family emergency at the last minute, so uh, he will not be with us today. Uh, just one thing, if you haven't already, please take a minute right now and share the link to this program to all your contacts and social media. If you can't do it now, please do it later. But we need this program and the information in it to go viral. Today, we're going to be covering the situation in Lahaina on the island of Maui, Hawaii. On August 8th, Lahaina was devastated by massive fires and utterly incinerated. Maybe some of you have read the article I wrote, which was heavily researched and verified by people living in the area. You can find that on our wisconsinchristiannews.com website under From the Publisher, and it's titled I'm Beyond Furious. If you've read that article, then you already know my opinion on this situation. And I am beyond furious over what's happened to the people and the land in Lahaina and the federal government's response in the wake of all this. And the media has either been purposely stonewalled by local and federal officials, or they've been dead silent on Lahaina on purpose. Recently, I looked back at the mainstream news stream from August, and this story lasted about three to four days, and then it completely disappeared from the news cycle. So it's up to independent news outlets and citizen reporters to get this information out. So again, I urge you, please share this program. Our guests today may or may not agree with my assessment that these fires were intentional and deliberate, and I believe set using direct energy weapons. You'll see from the images that these fires were not like any ordinary wildfires. Buildings and cars were pulverized into dust and melted, while nearby trees, plants, and structures were left untouched. It appears the destruction was very precise, and we'll get into all this on the show today. Our guest today needs to remain anonymous for his own protection. He cannot use his real name or appear on camera because that would hinder his efforts to help the survivors and quite possibly get him arrested by FEMA or other government agencies. So today we're going to just be calling him Phil, and he's joining us with audio only. 
Um, but I did create a nice photo you can put up a fill when he talks, so you're not just looking at a at the letter P. Um, I'd also like to thank Wendy Bell from the Wendy Bell Radio Program for connecting me with Phil, and I think you're going to truly appreciate his observations. So, Phil, welcome to the program. Thank you for uh, joining us and being with us today. Aloha. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. I think we should start off by looking at some photos together and um, show our viewers exactly what the situation is there. So, Jonathan, if you would, please scroll through slowly the first two sets of photos I sent you. And, Phil, you can comment on these as we go through them together. Okay. Trying to bring that up on my monitor here. That was the wrong button to push. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, it's the courthouse. That's the courthouse. Notice the wood didn't burn so much. And if you actually look at the tree itself, you can still see the fruit is charred connected to it. Mm -hmm. Unbelievable. This is just heartbreaking. My wife and I were there for our 25th wedding anniversary and um, thought it was probably the most beautiful spot in the world. It's gorgeous. It's very sad and heartbreaking what's happened. Um, that's actually one of the pictures that I kind of took when I went in there. Mm -hmm. And it literally looks like a war zone. Yeah. Um, a lot of us that morning, we went in to try to see if there was any survivors there that needed a ride, water, so on and so forth, and try to bring them up to the Civic Center. Because um, that was basically supposed to be the substation for people to go to. But everything ended up being in the Pili where I kind of reside around, um, that's where base camp eventually ended up being. There's Front Street. When you see these cars, you notice that they're literally melted. That doesn't happen with wildfires. Yeah, I don't believe this was a wildfire. I still refer to it as a man-made fire. Absolutely. Look at that. So they said that red house, yeah, stop on that one for a second. That red house didn't burn because they had a metal roof. And yet there's cars made of metal melted into the concrete. Figure that one out. Talk about precise, precision. A little side note, um, I talked to a lot of the federal firemen that were out here and went yeah. through and looked at the sites and even they these are the highest level of firemen you can get out here. And even they said that the forensics did not make sense to them. Yep, that question was in my notes. Okay, that's the last of the two bunches that I sent you. Okay. All right, so Phil, um, Phil lives just about five minutes north of the burn zone. And if you would, just kind of take us through what you saw uh, what you experienced on August 8th. 
So for us um, up here, it was, I mean, we, we didn't have any source of communication pretty much right at the morning when we woke up. I woke up to our electricity going out. Um, and from that point, we still had a little bit of cell phone service for like 10, 15 minutes, but then that died out right after. Um, no one here close by had a radio or anything to get, jump on to see what was happening. We all figured that on this side of the island, you know, we do experience a lot of power lines falling with wind. You know, I even on that day, I think I even deleted my post, but I really didn't think it was going to get to the point to where the entire town of Lahaina was going to burn out. So right in the morning when power went out, I posted a meme that, you know, oh, you know, typical wind in Hawaii and what happens to the residents is just pure blackout. Like we have no electricity ever. It's a constant thing that keeps happening over and over and over and over again. Anytime we experience any kind of wind, it could be 10 miles an hour. It could be 80 miles an hour. Um, so that morning I woke up, didn't have electricity, couldn't make coffee or anything like that. And we pretty much were just hanging out, waiting for the electricity to come back on. Um, there's no emergency notifications to our phones or anything. And then everyone started smelling the smoke from Lahaina towards the afternoon. Uh, at around three to 4 PM is when we started seeing vehicles just driving up into our neighborhood and pulling over wherever they could park. Nobody was leaving the vehicles. Um, slowly but surely, our neighbors went and we started talking to these people and we found out that Lahaina was on fire. And this time, not like 2018's fire, where it only took out like over 20 homes. This time, everyone that was in Lahaina that was able to escape. And by escaping, they had to pretty much go around the police. You couldn't go ask the police for help. You had to escape. You had to not listen to the police and you had to do your own thing. There were people cutting fences open. There were people jumping over fences. There were people going through other people's yards just to get out of there. Um, everyone that I know that lived in Lahaina abandoned their cars. They left them. You know, some people try to go back and get, you know, a motorcycle or something like that. But by the time they got to their place, their place was already in flames. And they had to turn around and they noticed that they're going to get stuck into 360 degree of fires. Uh, the fire moved so rapidly and so fast that even the firemen, local firemen here, said they've never experienced anything like it. Um, back to the afternoon when everyone started coming up here, uh, we noticed a lot of people just were in shock. Um, they lost their homes. Some of them lost their cars. Others were just mixed families and vehicles because certain vehicles were picking up people. Um, I had a large SUV, so I started to drive down there. Um, and as soon as I got down there, like all the roads were blocked. You couldn't go as far as the Civic Center. So a lot of us actually started taking that parking lot that was across the street close to the ocean and running down to see if anybody kind of needed assistance. Um, that's where a lot of my pictures kind of came from. Um, from that day, uh, there's a lot of pictures that I really can't share um, for obvious reasons, but it was a day I will never forget. What about the water situation? Um, water was shut off for pretty much this entire side of the island. Like uh, in Lahaina itself, the firemen said that they were connecting to the fire hydrants and there was no water in the fire hydrants. People said that they were, um, you know, using their garden hoses and everything from their homes, but eventually the pressure started dying out. 
Then everyone started running to the ocean with buckets and pots and pails and try to bring it back home and, and dump it on their place. But they realized that effort was gone within a couple seconds at the time they went to the ocean to grab water. And by the time they came back, their house was already burned. Hmm. So it, this is this is tough. What has been FEMA's response? Uh to enjoy a vacation. Mm -hmm. That's what I see. There's so many FEMA employees here and every single one of them is not assisting anybody. They're all hanging out in different locations across the island. And now it's getting kind of better too that, you know, for the fire survivors that they assisted within the hotels. Um, there was actually a day where FEMA was going around to all of Maui, right? And they were going door to door telling people that they were eligible for aid and financial help and that, that everybody needed to sign, you know, this, this paperwork and fill it out so we can get someone from FEMA to our place to go ahead and, you know, see if we're eligible for assistance. So a lot of people did sign that paperwork because nobody was allowed to work. Um, and when we filled out that paperwork, the next week they came by and told us that we're all um, declined nobody could get any kind of assistance outside of the Lahaina radius, even though they themselves were going outside of the Lahaina uh, radius, telling everyone that they are eligible. But I mean, we're talking about 60, 70 employees just scattered across the island here and there, sitting around doing nothing, watching the ocean, going to the beaches, having a great vacation. And that's the majority of where all the donations and money is actually going to, you know, FEMA, the Red Cross, um hcf which is actually owned by vanguard um so a lot of those big time donation companies and entities they're the ones ultimately taking the money and we actually see where the money is going to hotel rooms for the red, the red cross the uh, fema reps you know a lot of the people the first responders that we need here we absolutely want them to have a place to stay while they're helping us out and everything but it, it just seems like at the beginning stages, the first three months, a lot of entities that came out here were just out here to enjoy a vacation. They weren't really helping anybody. They still aren't. Yeah. Um, I believe he mentioned that uh, Costco, the owner of Costco, had uh, wanted to donate some supplies, and that was confiscated by FEMA. Well, I was actually confiscated by the Red Cross. So the picture that you see right now was an executive at our local Costco branch. And he decided to have a bunch of trucks show up one day with all of this amazing food, snacks, drinks, everything that you know people usually go to Costco and purchase. And they donated everything. Well, Red Cross at the time, they were setting up their little donation site for food and everything right there as well. The federal fire guys and the fire guys from all sorts of um, surrounding islands that were here were acting as security guards. You can see them actually in that picture right there. Um, so all the food donations that we were bringing up locally from the other side of the island, which we were smuggling and everything and putting it in to this location at base camp. Um, at night, we had no idea that the Red Cross would come through grab everything that they considered not approved food and remove it and take it to where we'd never seen it again. Um, a, a couple of the fire guys actually told me, a lot of my neighbors, everyone in our neighborhood to come back on a certain night 
and to bring as many people and as many vehicles as possible and hoard everything before the Red Cross takes it because that's their last night of coming and they're going to take everything. So mm. we did that. We brought trucks. We brought everything that we could. We took as much food as we could out of there and took it over to um, the base camp up at Peely Park. Uh, and we just dropped it off and donated it there. That's actually fuel that people were bringing over. Uh, the community did everything better than the Red Cross and FEMA could ever do. When the Red Cross and FEMA showed up at first, it was just a couple of their employees telling people, oh, you couldn't do uh, peanut butter and jelly stands. Oh, no, this is unapproved food. The approved food that we have is spam, rice, um, the Hormel uh, bioengineered food that you saw, all of those cans and everything. That was the Red Cross. That was the stuff nobody was touching. None of that stuff was healthy, considering everybody on Maui, how we eat, we eat extremely healthy. So the community, all of our farmers, the fishermen, the hunters, the cattle ranchers, those are the people that we were relying on. Anytime FEMA or the Red Cross came up, I can't tell you how many times people were just bad-mouthing them and ignoring them and telling them to kind of get away. They're actually making things worse. So you had to actually smuggle food in um, to the uh, relief centers. We smuggled and, uh, food. We smuggled diapers. We smuggled fuel. We smuggled bread. Anything from the other side of the island or even from the other islands we had to snuggle, uh, smuggle in. And a lot of us here, uh, we know our police officers, their friends and family. You know, uh, a lot of us are here just to help each other out. We as a community do something different than any other community I've ever lived in out here. And for me to go to the other side of the island and risk not coming back, however, but pulling up to a unnamed police officer and saying, hey, we're bringing supplies, and he would look the other way. Mm -hmm. You know, we drive through 14, 15 vehicles at a time. Everyone's got their hazard lights on, and we're flying. We're flying to try to get food and everything to these locations so people could have them. At the time we would get to those locations and we start dropping off, here comes the Red Cross, here comes FEMA, oh, we can't be doing this and all this other stuff. And we would just ignore them. We would not pay attention. We would just keep helping out the community and doing our thing. Eventually the Red Cross and FEMA decided that, you know, because we're doing these hubs, especially at the grocery store, that they needed to end it. They needed to have a location where everyone can drive to specifically to get their food options and everything while at the same time taking everybody's donations whether they were being items being shipped in or mailed in or donations that were coming in you had to donate to the red cross you can't donate to us directly well but you found ways to get around that right we had no choice to yeah yeah well um uh, Dr. Kirk uh, Milhone uh, was going to be with us, but uh, unfortunately he's not. But um, as I was talking to him on the phone um, prior to the program, he um, mentioned to me that, um, you know, the, uh, the federal government promised each individual family, per family, $700 one time in aid. But uh, he mentioned that... Um, and he's dealt with, you know, thousands of survivors. He said that in every single case, for one reason or another, they didn't qualify. 
So apparently no one has even gotten that measly $700 that, you know, it's not not even enough to feed a family for a month. Can I, can I tell you something? Yeah. I got a $700 paycheck from Biden and I'm not even in the affected area. Huh? Well, most of the fire survivors that I know didn't even get that 700. So of course, what do I do? I, I give it to them. Yeah. And I cast it and just gave it to whoever needed it. You know, money right now for us is really not an option. It's about, you know, these people's lives, you know, uh, they're all still stuck in the hotel rooms. Nothing has changed from the first day that they've gone into the hotel rooms, other than the fact that all of these families keep getting moved into different hotel rooms. Um, there is only one hotel that I know of, the Royal Lahaina, that has actually stopped taking reservations up until the end of 2024 and have already given their property to any fire survivor that needs a place to stay. So that's a really, really great thing to hear from a local hotel company. However, the major companies, the Marriott, the Hyatt and everything, they're trying to kick out people as fast as they can. Mm -hmm. It's all about the money and, and Red Cross, uh, better detail of how that program works. The Red Cross had to go and find all the fire survivors. But per their words, they do not discriminate. So if they see a homeless person off the street or an undocumented immigrant, they're not going to discriminate. They're going to pretend they're a fire survivor and bringing them into the hotels. So that first month, every taxpayer across the nation and any donation that kind of came through, people were housing undocumented immigrants. People were housing homeless people that were not affected by the fires, homeless people from other islands that they flew here to put into the hotels for 30, 60, 90 days or so. And a lot of those people are still in the hotels. It's caused the hotel atmosphere to become one of mixed emotions. You have the families there trying to, you know, make it through, deal with all their depression and everything that they have right now. And at the same time, they're getting a knock at the door from this homeless person trying to sell them drugs. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, so the hotels are trying to stop that from happening, but the Red Cross doesn't discriminate. Red Cross, you can't ask them who this person is, who, you know, where they came from or not. They're a fire survivor. We're going to put them in this hotel room and we have all the money that we're going to use. Now, some of these people that, you know, that do have mental issues that are homeless prior to the fires. I mean, I've heard stories of them defecating all over the units. Um, I've, I've heard stories of them screaming and yelling in the hallways at the middle of the night. And it's just making it a lot worse for people inside the hotels. Um, I have heard rumors and stories that, you know, suicides have been taking place, you know, for people that have lost everything, including their family members, and they were the last survivor. Um, so it's really like in the hotels across Kaunapali right now, it's not the place that most people would think that they would come out to on a vacation. Once they get here, the hotels are selling it to you. Yeah, we're open. We're good to go. Once they get here, they realize they're in the dead center of this. You mm -hmm. know, a lot of the Hawaiians actually are protesting right now on Kaunapali Beach looking for housing. The issue with housing right now is there's just way too many vacation rentals for a tiny little island. 
And a lot of the vacation rental owners, uh, I mean, it's not their fault. They've been permitted. They've gotten their permits. They're legal to obviously run a vacation rental, but our county, our government, you know, their negligence of dealing with uh, anything fire related. I mean, it's just, this was waiting to happen. And we all knew this was going to eventually happen, but 2018, we thought we could stop it. 2020, 2,400 um, first responders decided to leave the islands because of the forced um, vaccinations. And then 2023, we have the same fire basically out of Lahaina, but this time it conquered and took Lahaina. Mm. Well, there have been a tremendous number of coincidences with these fires, and we have a video just about two minutes long here that I'd like to show. Uh, I think this will help us ask some questions and dig a little deeper into this situation. So, uh, Jonathan, if you can show that first video. So it's just a coincidence that the police chief was the same man in charge of the Las Vegas shooting. And it's just a huge coincidence that property owned by millionaires and billionaires like Jeff Bezos, Oprah, and the founder of PayPal remained untouched while the land of the natives burned only a few feet away, literally. And it's just a huge coincidence that the island had the largest system of outdoor sirens in the world, yet they decided not to sound them or alert anybody in any way. And it's just a huge coincidence that they closed all of the schools, sent all of the children home, and turned off the water as soon as the fires started so that people couldn't put them out. And it's just a coincidence that under orders, policemen blockaded the exits, didn't allow anyone to evacuate, and forced them to jump in the water to save their own lives. And it's just a coincidence that the island is set to be the very first to operate on 100% renewable energy. And to do so, they must significantly decrease their CO2 emissions. And it's just a huge coincidence that one month prior to the fires, the mayor issued a press release highlighting his commitment to the United Nations 2030 Agenda of Sustainable Development. And it's just a coincidence that Hawaii is the only state to have submitted a voluntary local review, which is a framework and goal set to achieve sustainable development. And it's just a huge coincidence that BlackRock and the United States government are two out of the three largest landowners on the island who have been trying to buy up the land from the natives for the past few decades who refuse to sell, and both of them are part of the renewable energy agenda. And it's just a huge coincidence that the survivors' homes that are still standing are now being evicted. And it's just a coincidence that the fact-checkers saying that all of this is a coincidence are owned by BlackRock. At this point, if you believe that all of these are coincidences, you are the crazy one, not me. Google is not going to come out and tell you what's going on, and even if they did, a lot of you wouldn't even believe it unless it was from a government or fact-checking website. But guess what? They're not going to tattle on themselves, so you need to think for yourself. We should be absolutely enraged about these fires. We really need to stand up and do something, because things like this are just going to keep... So it's just... Yeah. 100% agree with everything she said, and it goes beyond that, too, as well. The main stakeholders for almost everything out here are BlackRock and Vanguard. BlackRock are the major, uh, and Vanguard are the major donors to Governor Josh Green. Mm -hmm. BlackRock and Vanguard own our banks, own the, well, BlackRock, everyone knows now, owns the electric company, you know, as, as one of their major stakeholders. 
And now BlackRock, because they don't want to get, you know, thrown into major lawsuits coming up because honestly, it's a man-made fire. It's not a wildfire, you know, you know, let's just cut it short. A lot of the government officials, their negligence, they didn't do anything for any kind of fire safety. You know, once that electric line hit and went down the first fire, there was three fires in Lahaina that day. The first fire, once that electric line went down and caused that first fire from then on, it's, it's their negligence. Now they can come out and say, oh, it was climate change or whatever lie they want to come out with and, and talk about the second fire and everything. The only thing that we all as a community agree on, you know, is one, the firemen went out there and they extinguished it 100 percent. We've experienced that before here on Maui. Yes, that does happen. They extinguish it and they leave. We had multiple fires all over the island that day and not enough firemen, you know. I posted a comment to try to get a poll going and see what the cause of the second fire was. And believe it or not, everyone out here is, is claiming arson. You know, yes. so whether, yeah. whether you want to believe in, you know, space lasers or, or whatnot, the second fire that ultimately took out Lahaina is the questionable one, is the one that they cannot get enough evidence for, is the one that BlackRock and Governor Green are both trying to bribe the fire survivors with a million dollars for so they won't go into lawsuits what do they have to hide that's all it's proving to us now we all i mean i don't know if most of the mainland knows but here in hawaii folks we did a major shift you know once josh green came in he's a whole different person than what a lot of people i didn't vote for him but a lot of people voted for this guy is not a governor of the state of Hawaii. This guy literally works for the UN. He literally works for the WEF. He doesn't care about mainland America, or what they have to say. It's his rule, his policies, his enforcement. They've even gone ahead and given themselves 67% raises and no one's allowed to have a say. The media out here in Hawaii is, is separate from the media on the mainland, and I can't fathom why. I don't know why we don't have, like, Fox News or Newsmax or anybody else to come out here and create a news station. We're stuck with the same news networks that repeat the same things, and ultimately, five seconds after, a senator or a governor or someone states it. You know, a lot of people here are completely sick and tired of the news media. If you follow our news media on any kind of social uh, media, you can actually look at all the comments now. We're not allowed to vote for a lot of major things anymore. You know, we weren't even allowed to vote to give them raises. Well, yeah. Uh, and Josh Green, your governor, so-called governor. Um, the Green New Deal. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. Well, he, uh, you know, he's spoken at the uh, UN and the WEF at least a dozen times that I can count. And uh, every time uh, talking about how uh, Maui is going to lead the way and the new 15 minute smart cities run by artificial intelligence. And um, um, I think it was two weeks before the fire that um, he signed an executive order. Um, allowing them to have a lot more leeway in how they rebuild in Lahaina in case there might be some sort of emergency situation. Exactly. And the land grab. Right. And not to mention um, 
Oh, I had another thought and I just just lost it. Anyway, um, yeah, these were not your normal wildfires. And if we can, let's sh show the next video, Jonathan, three minutes, 17 seconds. And uh, let's see what you all think of this. The recent fires in California, Australia, and now Hawaii are unlike anything we've ever seen before. They are being called forest fires and wildfires, but they are clearly something very different. These fires are burning homes into a white powdery ash footprint, while often leaving the surrounding green trees and shrubs practically untouched. In extreme cases, forest fires can reach temperatures up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit, and the melting point of aluminum is 1220 degrees Fahrenheit. So it is possible for an extreme forest fire to melt aluminum. But there are cars with puddles of melted aluminum that were clearly not in the wildfire area. And melted glass, which has a melting point around 2,500 degrees Fahrenheit. These are unexplained anomalies. In the California fires of 2018, cars were randomly bursting into flames on the freeway with no surrounding fires. We've seen these same anomalies in New York City on September 11th, 2001. Cars completely burned out with no explanation. In Maui, these unnatural fires spared the homes of the rich while burning the native homes of the working class. With precision, these fires destroyed the most envied, high-valued areas of Maui. For decades, directed energy weapons have been classified but they have been on the public record for several years now. Directed energy weapons, known as DUES, have the ability to burn homes with this sort of precision. But in order to be this precise, the area would have to be mapped out. In January of this year, green lasers were seen over Hawaii, which could best be described as a geospatial array for mapping terrain. We have seen that among the ashy ruins, there are blue-colored objects that have somehow survived the devastation. Blue cars. Blue umbrellas. A blue boat. Blue planters. Videos online are going viral that show how lasers can easily burn through certain colored objects, but objects that are colored blue remain unharmed. Directed energy weapons include lasers, millimeter wave, and microwave. They are all based on light frequencies, and different wavelengths of light affect colors differently. For example, in laser tattoo removal, different wavelengths are used for removing different colors. And this is because color is a quality of light. Each color has its own frequency. Interestingly enough, the frequency of the color blue is 6.66. Reporting for... Okay. Have, so, you, uh, have you researched the directed energy weapon on top of Haleakala at the NASA Space Force Air Force Base? No, I have not. Yep. We have one right here on Maui. We've had it forever. 
literally it's supposed to be guiding to show them that uh, to show the telescopes where the stars are aligned to and everything but it's a plasma ray okay well and uh speaking of those green lasers uh the guy on uh, craig reese on the video just said that uh they saw the green lasers in january but i had heard that they were they appeared um two days before these fires in lahaina um, a lot of people also forgot about the chinese weather balloon or the yes. spy balloon or whatever it was yeah we had we we had the lasers that was actually um all over the news you know when the lasers were happening and then we also had the balloon um that was all over the news and they were pretty much kind of within each other and everybody out here had the same thought hey what's china doing what's china mapping what's china doing to us and um of course that same night you know a lot of people are actually posting too as well like satellite mappings of where satellites were going to and everything and there was a Chinese satellite that was over Maui during those fires. Now I can't verify if that's accurate and everything, just seeing what I see on social media, but that information is out there too. Okay. Um, before we move on, I just have one last video I want to show us and, um, um, and then we'll get in back into the uh, discussion. Uh, five minutes, three seconds. Much like other recent fires, such as Paradise, California, there have been several anomalies involving the recent fires in Maui. In the middle of an area untouched by fire, a random car with melted glass and melted aluminum alloy wheels and NORAD tracked CCP satellites directly above all three fires at the time of ignition. Many people are saying it's directed energy weapons, and we are not getting any answers from our criminal government. The people of Lahaina have been given access back into their neighborhood, and there are more of these anomalies being discovered. A viral video of the Lahaina Pentecostal Church shows what appears at first glance to be an electrical fire in the ceiling. But how is everything in the church pristine, except for a portion of the roof seam and the wall at one end? Many are saying this looks like a laser cut through the roof. There is an area with just a few buildings that have been totally devastated by fire, while everything surrounding them has been untouched. It is unclear as to how these random buildings caught fire. And obviously the building next door is fully intact, no structural damage, no fire damage whatsoever. And then you have this building here. Uh, you can see the scuba tanks in there. This was a, one of the dive shops. You can see it's completely and utterly burned from the inside out. And there are automobiles in untouched areas that somehow completely burned out, once again, with melted glass and aluminum. All right, little parking lot, gravel. Everything's looking good. Those cars are probably working somewhere. These have been here for a while. But then this thing... And I know it didn't get moved here, because you can still see the scorch marks on the building. Okay, so how'd this thing catch fire? Scorch marks, right? It was definitely burning right here. Just a random car fire, random truck fire. Okay, look at this, look at this. How could this car? Okay, the building is perfectly fine. We got a concrete parking lot, right? 
I mean, even the trees are still good. And yet we got this guy. I mean, this car is melted, bro. This thing got absolutely melted. I mean, there's nothing. Someone probably threw that water bottle in there, but look at this thing, man. Now talk to me, people, somebody, not a conspiracy theorist, but somebody that understands something about fires. Tell me, in the midst of this fire, is there an ember that's big enough that could float over here, incinerate this car, melt it, and nothing else around it? I don't think it was moved here, right? I don't think it was moved here. That's just tripping me out. How'd it catch fire? What happened? I don't even see flame marks back there. I see, I see marks here, brown, black. You can see it happened here, right? The wood survived the fire, but other objects were turned to piles of ash. In many of these piles, the ash appears to have been metal. Why is all this on fire? Or why did it all, there's not even a structure here. But again, I don't know. Just, just piles of ashes of stuff that was clearly made out of some kind of tin foil or metal or something. I don't know, the metal really took a hammering on this fire. If you were metal, I mean wood, you're kind of good, right? Wood, yeah, you're, you're not too bad. You're metal, you're done. We aren't getting any answers. The victims of Lahaina are being ignored while the government funnels money to Israel. And the metal culvert is melted. Look at the metal culvert. Yeah. It's a milk culvert, man, and melted. And just a little bit of grass, right? Why is that metal culvert charred? And a frog has been found at ground zero, frozen in mid-jump, suggesting an instantaneous flash of high energy. This right here is a toad that is petrified or mummified in mid-leap. So you can see the angle of it. It's not squatting down. It's very symmetrical in every way that it is. And you can see those legs just jumping. So whatever it is that happened, happened in a split second. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. Okay, so how do we explain all that? I wish I had an answer. Because we're all thinking the same thing here, too. Yeah. Yeah. We have no, I mean, honestly, it's like the original cause for us was government negligence. They didn't work on the areas that they needed to, to make sure that there was no fires happening. But now it looks like they deliberately didn't do it for a specific reason. A lot of people that have never been to Maui um, don't know our residential communities are small or tiny. Yes, we are surrounded by celebrities. Now, Olinda Kula, that's where Oprah is. Jeff Bezos, his place is down south towards Wailea. We had the Kihei fires around there, but his place didn't get touched because he's so far off. Steven Tyler lives down there. You know, I mean, a lot of celebrities live in these areas, but specifically here on Maui, our main celebrities, Mick Fleetwood, the Hiltons, you know, so on and so forth. None of their places, none of their places were even of risk. We've even had fires in Kapalua and in Kaunapali after the Lahaina fires, but no risk to their homes or anything like that. They were put out in a heartbeat. Well, you know, uh, the, offic the official narrative on all this is that it was a wildfire caused by the, the, the Hawaiian Electric Company. 
Phil, tell us about the Hawaiian Electric Company. Well, first of all, I should tell you that the Hawaiian Electric Company is owned by Vanguard and BlackRock. But Phil, if you would, um, tell us what the first thing Hawaiian Electric did um, to its customers. They billed us. They asked what? for their payment. Yeah, wanted, wanted <laughs> we, to know. We didn't have electricity and they were billing us. All right. Yeah, I mean, my response to them direct from the email that they sent me asking for $1,000 um, for my electricity bills was like, you're going to burn down our town and this is what you're going to ask for. And I just left it at that. And now they're, they're not even trying to talk to people. They've extended it out up until like January or something that you don't even have to worry about it. We're not going to turn off your electricity at the same time. You know, a lot of people that live here, we're waiting for, you know, the House Oversight Committee to get done with their investigation and find out what the root cause of it is. Because if HECO is the ultimate cause, which they are, other than the next fact would be arson, you know, and we're wondering who's going to be doing the arson. But I always look at the same entities for any kind of trouble that happens here in Hawaii. They're always involved. BlackRock, Vanguard, they are always involved with anything that happens here. Yep. And you can easily track them and see it. I mean, it's literally, it's now gotten to the point you can just Google First Hawaiian Bank, BlackRock, or Vanguard, bam, all of that information comes up. Hawaii Community Foundation, where Josh Green is asking everyone to donate to, it's Vanguard. And now they're, they're talking about like, oh yeah, they've received over $150 million, but they're not going to be giving it to any of the fire survivors or anything because they want to slowly start giving the money out but they also have to take care of undocumented immigrants. Yeah, that was a question I had. If you if you actually are dealing with um, illegal uh, immigrants, as we are on our southern border and all throughout the country, I think we last year and the year before and during COVID, we had an issue where some of the West Coast states, um, Washington specifically in California, were sending their homeless people on planes, buying out commercial flights completely putting as many homeless people on them and shipping them over to Hawaii. Now it took a couple of the investigative reporters that were local at the time that were at the airport working to start recording that and showing people in social media. Now, once they got caught, we never heard from it again. So out here, if you're going to try to do something like that and you're going to buy out a whole plane to bring out here, we're going to rise up. We're going to see it. We're going to know what's happening. They cannot hide it. The way I believe they're doing it now is mixing and matching. You know, you're going to have tourists that come out, but yeah, let's bring some undocumented immigrants with them. You know, the hotels do have them in there. You yeah, know, well, and um, once they're there, it's it's almost impossible to um, find out who out. they are. Or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you don't so. know if they're a fire survivor. You don't know if they're homeless before. You don't know if they're undocumented immigrant because we're not allowed to discriminate against them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, from our studio audience, let's start with Betty has a question or comment, and then we, uh, Harry, and then Harry. Anyone else uh, in the audience want to make a question or comment? Just raise your hand. We'll bring in as soon as we can. Yes, I uh, thank you for what you do. I tell you, you're a warrior. And I have to leave here in about five minutes. But I was wondering what happened to the Maui children that disappeared. Do you so, know anything? So a lot of kids have not re-registered for school yet. Um, we're still trying to find out where those kids are. Unfortunately, we can't get an investigation out here. 
unless it's done by the same people involved, like, you know, Chief Pelletier, Josh Green, or anything like that. So we're not really allowed to have that kind of investigation. We do know that um, even though Josh Green first said that there was only one child, um, the coroner who eventually came here um, said that there was a few children. But immediately when he said a few, Chief Pelletier stopped him and said, oh, no, I think there's only like one or two. You know, so it's always been questionable. But in our community, we haven't really been able to communicate with each other to set up a date to where everyone can see each other. A lot of us are still working. Um, So for us to, you know, see, I'm still missing a lot of people. I, I still haven't seen the faces of some of the people I used to work with. But somehow everybody is, you know, found and everything. So where are my friends? Yeah, well, I know they had said there was like over 2,000 children missing. And there was a video on YouTube, and they, I think, took it down. It was a truck driver going through there, and he had seen children in trucks, like in cages. And he thought that was odd, and but he said, I don't know who to go to because the police are, they're, they're corrupt, you know, so, and then I tried to find it and it's gone. YouTube took it down. So I was just wondering if they were put into child trafficking or something, since See, most of those evil people that have those beautiful homes are part of that. Imagine, imagine one day, Betty, that all of a sudden half of the people you know are missing and that's all that you're getting. That's all the information. That's how our reaction was with Lahaina. We still haven't really healed to find out if our friends and everything made it. Now, a lot of people have moved off island right after the fires. You know, I mean, they lost everything and they're like, you know what? I'm just going home. I'm taking my kids with me. Um, A lot of people put their kids into home studies programs because they don't want their kids to go to school. You know, so there's there's all sorts of accounts. We're, We're tracking the kids and finding out where the kids are. And that's kind of going community wide. But every single time we get to an area of questioning, like where did all the school buses go? Why were the kids sent home without their parents, you know, picking them up? Why was there not an evacuation route when a few years prior we had a fire that almost took out Lahaina Luna? You know, so there's just so many questions. But the day of the fire and after, we don't have any answers to because we we don't see our, our friends. We don't see our our family members that you know had kids and everything we don't see them on this side of the island we we've tried to communicate with them and i mean a lot of people out here don't have the person that they work with their phone number we've seen them almost every single day that we used to work we didn't need their phone number you know we'd say oh my god you want to go to the beach you want to go swimming you want to go surfing hiking whatever you would just set up the date and you would just show up and meet the person so having a phone number or going on social media for some, uh, a lot of these people, it's kind of like they're MIA. You text, nothing comes back. You know, you, you message them on Facebook, nothing comes back. And you know, these people have kids too. You know, so we're all trying to find the information and hopefully we'll find a resolution about where everything went to. But I can verify and do say something. Um, before the fires, we've had a huge missing person um issue out here a lot of people go missing for some reason across the hawaiian islands um and their bodies are never found again Uh, we don't know if it's like they're going swimming one day and the ocean takes them off but 
we do have a lot of missing um, person cases out here, especially with children. And this was before the fires. Uh, there were horror stories, you know, about, you know, the barges and everything over at the docks that would that people would put the kids into. And we eventually had a Navy SEAL group that came out to investigate and everything. And the FBI started emailing people around Lahaina and to make sure that we don't go into certain shops and stores because we could be fished for information for our kids. So I do know that was happening here. I do know there's people trying to investigate against it. Was it ever stopped and put to rest? No, the fires ultimately kind of stopped that from happening. All right, uh, Harry, do you still have a question? Or have a question or was, oh, was, Betty brought up the very same thing. Okay. All right. Okay. She, she answered it. Well, I noticed that the uh, all the school buses were evacuated prior to the fires. Um, we saw videos of that, and then um, someone found the school buses at the airport. Okay. So were there kids on those school buses or what? We nobody saw any footage of the kids on the school buses. The rumor was the kids were going on the school buses, and ultimately, all I know that I can verify were I saw pictures of Google Earth before and after the fires. Before the fires, there the school buses were around that area, and after the fires, the school buses were near the airport where um, the lady who lived on the other side found them. But everybody was looking for the school buses for like a week, week and a half or two weeks. Hmm. Okay, so let's uh, talk about another coincidence. The police chief of Maui is the same guy that was in charge of the shady events surrounding the uh, mass shooting in Las Vegas in 2017. Yep. And he's earned awards from the now weaponized FBI. And he's also the coroner of Maui. So as far as trying to get a death count, uh, good luck on that one, but um, God, yeah, it's, it's the death counts. I mean, you can ask anybody here around a thousand. Yeah, that's and, that's how we all feel. That's that's what we feel. We we see people from Lahaina all the time. We're not media, media is telling us ninety five. Yeah, uh, our media out here finally broke through and got to a hundred. They're still saying there's four people missing. But the media has been doing this little manipulative game ever since the beginning of the fires and just trickling the numbers in. Um, the big questionable thing is, like, um, when they first came out and said, oh, we're having matching DNA and we have to remove these people that have matching DNA. Well, if you have DNA from one location, let's say it's somebody's house, and you have the same DNA three blocks away, how does that happen? Yeah. And how are you only counting both of those different DNAs as one? You know, I mean, what what happens if you have a family with matching DNA? You're just counting them as one? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, anyone else have any questions or comments? Uh, we're getting close to the end here, and I want to make sure we get you in. If you do, raise your hand. Now is your time. All right. So one more interesting tidbit here. Homeowners, I'm told, are being told for the very first time that they were in violation of some sort of obscure local code or ordinance. So insurance companies are not going to pay. 
these are multi-generational homeowners who paid their insurance premiums faithfully for years, but no compensation for them. Well, Correct. Yeah, I, I know a bunch of families that have been denied by insurance. I know a bunch of families that have been denied their mortgage forbearance. Um, I know a bunch of families that have been denied FEMA or the Red Cross. Um, also, these families have been have placed their names on any kind of list that will give them a grant, a loan, or anything like that, and all just getting denied. On the back end of it, anyone that didn't lose their place, we have a lot of people selling their homes because they had variable uh, mortgage rates and everything. Um, a lot of the uh, insurance companies are sending their homeowners letters that this will be the last year that they're going to be um, insuring them based on the fires. So here within now and to the next year and everything, it's going to get a lot worse than what you're seeing. But yeah, insurance, they've always denied people out here for just minor, minor little things. And people are paying thousands a month sometimes for, you know, this, these insurance policies. But yes, that is a thing. People are getting denied that. All right. Before we run out of time, I just want to bring up one more thing. Um, while the fires were still burning, a book was published and released on Amazon about the entire event. It was yeah. titled Fire and Fury, the story of the 2023 Maui fire and its implications for climate change. It was written by a doctor, Dr. Miles Stones. You might want to note that the word milestone means an action or event marking a significant change or stage in development. Yep. Obviously, this book was uh, released well in advance of this planned attack, and it was released a lot sooner than it should have been. But yep. they, took it, they took it off Amazon after they realized their mistake. So, yeah. full of coincidences here, aren't we? Yep, and after they took it off, what does Jeff Bezos do? How much did he donate? I don't believe he donated anything. Uh, we're, we're all getting word that he donated $100 million to Vanguard, HCF, Hawaii Community Foundation. So to himself, basically. Basically. Yeah. So. I mean, Oprah, I mean, she was doing the same thing. Yeah. You know, she came out here and was like, I mean, and Oprah does that a lot. You know, like when she came out here, we know the real Oprah. She's just trying to put on a face and, you know, create a show out of other people's miseries. Mm -hmm. But Oprah, every single time she comes out here now to Maui, I mean, whether she's trying to cut in line, you know, and she knows that she got caught cutting in line and people totally go to the back of the line. We don't care. She's a celebrity. As a matter of fact, for anyone that comes out here and visits, we don't care who you are. You could be a doctor. You could be a lawyer. You could be a president, a senator, whatever. We don't we look beyond that. We look at the person's heart. You know, and it, see if a person has a soul. See if they're doing um, things correctly and right by God's way. That's what a lot of the people in this community look for. So when Oprah first came out, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to help people. To us, it looks like, oh, I'm going to throw money in your faces because I'm a celebrity. Yeah. Okay. You know, why don't you go and help people? You know, right. um, do what Ivanka Trump did. She's a millionaire. But when she came out here, she was going to places. She was donating her time. She was donating her heart and soul, you know, and that's why we promote, you know, the Trump's over, you know, uh, Josh Green or anybody. I mean, Josh Green, he states that he's been here 20, 30 times already or whatever. Nobody's seen him. And when he does show up to random spots, it's five minutes here and there. And then he takes off. He doesn't care. Yeah. And, uh, 
What were uh, people's uh, attitudes when Biden showed up? <laughs> How'd they receive uh, Middle him? fingers all around, if I can say that on air. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. The FJB chant was pretty much up and down the highway. Um, where I pulled over as his caravan was coming up, um, you were forced to pull over and, um, yeah, middle fingers were just pointed in his direction. Nobody wanted mm-hmm. Biden here. And for yeah. him to go to the ceremony and fall asleep, that was the topper of it all. And then joke about the fires when he was down on the fire. Yeah, it was yeah. it was heartbreaking for us to kind of see that. But, you know, yeah. it's something well, he wanted to do after his three vacations. Just shows the heart of the people that... Uh, supposed to be our leader leaders i do anyway. i do want to reach out to people from lake tahoe and tell them thank you um biden was in tahoe right before he came here and the people of lake tahoe gave him the same greeting that we gave him when he showed up here so thank you for keeping that going lake tahoe <laughs> I, well i think that's kind of going pretty much wherever he goes which, <laughs> yeah. so anyway so um a couple of ways people can help um phil has set up a give send go account and uh if is can we put that up on the screen it okay so it's givesendgo.com slash maui underscore fires and phil tell us about that a little bit if you can um this has now become a community effort uh we have a controller we have a lot of volunteers um as soon as we start getting donations to where we can kind of cash out and really start helping people um we'll cash out we'll turn all the money into gift cards and then we pretty much hit the streets we go to the locations where we know people are homeless we know the fire survivors specifically or people that are affected can't pay their mortgage can't pay their rent have a utility bill that's due about to repossess their car five hundred dollars is basically going right to them without them expecting it and we're doing it locally face to face so we have a lot of volunteers here and i mean ultimately everyone's heard that you know with any kind of natural disaster now you want to start donating directly do not go to the Red Cross. Do not go to FEMA. You've seen what they've done to us. Go directly. Make sure it's helping the people that you want to specifically help. And that's ultimately why I created this Gift Send Go is to make sure that if someone does want to donate money, I'll be that hand that makes sure your money is going into someone that needs it. And on my Twitter page as well, I'm posting the people's pictures with their holding up the gift card so you can actually see that they are receiving it. Mm-hmm. Great, great. Also, uh, Dr. Kirk Milhone, um, who was going to be with us today, but was not able to at the last minute. Uh, he's also the pastor at Calvary Chapel in South Maui, and he has uh, set up a um, a donation site on his website. It's calvarymaui.org. And just hit the, uh, the donate button. And then there's a drop-down menu where you can select um, to donate specifically to the uh, people that were impacted by the fires. That's calvarymaui.org. Donate. And um, 100% of what you donate there goes directly to the people. They have no overhead involved, and it goes directly to the people that need it. Like I said, he's dealt with thousands um, personally, and he knows that um, 
you know, he, he vets the people very well, so it's not, nothing's going to waste. So two ways you can help there. Phil, we ran out of time about four minutes ago, but uh, I appreciate you staying with us. Appreciate Absolutely. you being here. And uh, I appreciate all of you in the audience. Again, please share this program. We need to get this information out. The mainstream media is not going to do it. They swept this thing under the rug as fast as they could. Like I said, it cycled out of the news within three to four days back in August and uh, not moved on to the, uh, on the next thing. So, but it is an atrocity and I am beyond furious over what they've done. So thank you again, Phil, and God bless you all. I will see you next time. Uh, J.R. Harrison is sitting in for me next week, and uh, he's got a very well nationally known guest speaking on how to keep kids safe. So tune in next week, same time. God bless. Bye. Mm -hmm.